Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. And if this is your first time, we want to give a special welcome to you and certainly hope it's not your last time. And we would invite you to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know who you are. And if there's a prayer request you might have or if there's information we could share with you, we'd certainly love to do that. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are glad that you found time to be with us today. This is the first Sunday of Advent. It's kind of crazy. Where did the year go? I want to remind you as we begin that we will celebrate communion after the message to help celebrate the beginning of Advent. So you'll want to have a cracker or a piece of bread and some juice available. And we'll give you a minute after the message to gather that if you don't have time right now. And then I just want to celebrate some amazing things that have happened this week. One, earlier in the week, Carolyn and I took our 16 boxes, thank you for those that made that possible, to Freedom Ridge Church and met up with our friend Don Morton, who is the chairperson locally of the whole effort. She's responsible for, I believe, five counties. The really cool thing is the goal that they had set for themselves locally was 23,000 boxes. And by the time they closed on Monday, a total of 24,363 boxes were collected. That is just amazing. And, And that is such an encouragement. She said it was just crazy the last day or so of just People just kept showing up, like us. And it'd be really crazy, they're celebrating, I don't know if I can say this, the 200th millionth box to be delivered. That is just beyond words. And then I want to share too, we hosted the last night of Thanksgiving here in Mansfield. It was on uh, Wednesday evening as part of uh, a Thanksgiving Eve service. Again, it was done a little bit differently in our context. Uh, we had worship stations and unpacked uh, the word Thanksgiving, looking at scriptures uh, to reference that. And there were some experiential aspects to it. If you'd like to know more about that, I had the opportunity, uh, Melinda and I did early Wednesday morning to go hang out with our friends at Heartfelt Radio. And we did sort of a preview of what we were doing here and walked through. And it was just a great conversation. And you'll find that link here in the worship notes. And We'd invite you to listen to that. If you have a moment, you'll be encouraged. And I want to remind you, too, that Richland Gives comes up on Tuesday and would invite your participation. It's not so much the dollar amount as it is the numbers of people. And so we would really love to have as many people participate by making a gift. And there's a link here in the worship notes. The last couple of years, we've received all sorts of generosity because of our involvement. And even the video that we've shared a number of times here, uh, just telling our story what it means to be a church today and the things we're doing in our community and the, the blessing we want to be to our neighbors. As we begin the season of Advent, we do that by lighting a candle at our Advent wreath. As we begin the season of Advent, where I want to walk the next couple of weeks is just looking at this idea of where do we find peace? In our world, we know, even as we've come back from the global pandemic and as we've, think, as, as we've come back from the pandemic and life is about back to normal, we've heard a number of statistics in the last week or so that things are appearing to be normal, although we know there's lots of disconnects still with uh, the fact that there's a war in Europe, there's, uh, there's the issues here with our finances, the political tensions, uh, those haven't gone away. And the question is, where do we find peace? Uh, to be honest, when we look at this idea of peace, I think some of us can ask the question, is it even possible? 
Is there even a way to get to some understanding of peace? Now, I have seen a survey recently that asked people what they want in life. And I want to suggest that uh, when we ask that question, what do you want in life, there really is a tension between what we really want in life versus what we really think we want. Uh, the idea first maybe I saw that one of the answers was money. Well, that's not a bad idea. It does help a little bit to make life a little easier. It does save time, but ultimately it doesn't uh, really bring happiness. I was talking with a friend this week, all excited. They got a new washing machine because the old one died. And so as the, uh, the store d delivered the washing machine, they went to hook it up and found out that uh, there was issues with their plumbing. And so now it's been almost, I guess, 10 days since they've had a functioning washing machine, but all of a sudden the happiness they thought they were going to get in this new piece of equipment in the home has now brought about other issues where they've got to hire a plumber, and, and it's just like, really? Uh, that's such a bummer. And then also the idea our, our lives can be great in our marriages until our marriages aren't good. It, the, oh my goodness, uh, that can be complicated, right? Or just in relationships, just coming off of Thanksgiving this weekend. I'm sure we all had moments where we were uh, together just wishing that we weren't. Uh, and that's just the reality of life, right? And then we really think about it, this idea of happiness. It's not a bad goal, but we'll remind you there's a great book called uh, Happiness is a Choice by a psychologist uh, from Dallas. But you know, the problem is, is that happiness is based on things that take place, right? But that's not maybe really what we want. So then we think about this time of, of celebrating the coming of Jesus, as we'll read through it a couple different ways, the anticipation of the coming of Christ. Uh, we know that the angels show up on the hillside, right? And they announce to the shepherds the, the birth of Jesus, of, of the Christ child. And they say uh, to all that can hear, glory to God in the highest. And, and then they say, peace on earth. And there are times in our conversations where we say, peace be with you, or go in peace, or grace and peace be with you. It was interesting this week as I went to one of the Thanks Living services, took a young friend who really isn't a church friend. And so there was a moment in the service where they did the passing of the peace, something that many of us are, that are traditional understand. But I can tell you it was an awkward moment for my young friend, not quite sure what to do. As people came up to him wanting to shake his hand and just share their greetings, it was just odd. And I think it reflects maybe the fact of where we've been the last three years. But the truth is that we see here this idea of uh, the peace that needs to come to us. It's not that we say, may you have grace and popularity, or may you have grace and power, or grace and riches, or grace and fame. No, none of those things are true. It's a very simple, heartfelt understanding to offer grace and peace to each other. Now, as we think about this, and we think about just the unsettledness of so many things in our world, and maybe even your own story, when we ask the question, what you really want in life, the truth is, you may not know it. And I think where most of us want to go is this idea of peace to have a centeredness and a, a stillness and a, a certainty that things are okay. The reality is when we think about our earthly life, right, we can have all the money in the bank and yet there can be uh, no peace in our heart. That we can have all sorts of success that's outward and yet many of us will feel empty inwardly. We can have an amazing marriage and yet 
There could be not really any sense of peace. And really, I think for many of us, what we're looking for is as we seek out this idea of peace, that we end up with all sorts of tension and fear and even anxiety because as we enter into relationships with each other, as we enter into relationships with our friends and our family, there's all these things that come against us, the misunderstandings and the disagreements and the hurt feelings. And, and then even what comes from that is unforgiveness. So I want to suggest that for each of us, what we're really looking for, and I think there's a world outside of our faith community that's looking for it too, is we want peace, that we really just want that simple understanding. Let's continue in the book of Isaiah. We began that with the, the lighting of our Advent wreath today. Isaiah is an amazing prophet, and we draw a lot of the, the encouragement about why Jesus comes as our, uh, as our rescuer from this prophet. Now, in his context, uh, lots of things are upside down for his people. It is a season of fear, and there's a lot of unsettledness there in the nation of Israel. What's beautiful here is in, even though the world's upside down for Isaiah and his people, he does offer a prophecy, a, a story, a foretelling of a day that's coming in the future of what it will look like to worship without any restrictions. He says here in chapter 26, verse 1, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Wow, that's a, an amazingly beautiful statement for us. Because what is Isaiah's promise that he, he shares with his people? Is that we will be kept in perfect peace. Not just peace, but perfect peace. Now, I think most of us can relate to the idea of imperfect peace, right? It just never seems to quite make it. Uh, there's always issues that we're pushing through. And even the thinking about our own stories, many times as we think about our interactions with each other, it's like, I'm good, and God, you know, I'm trusting in you, but there are moments where, hey, God, have you shown up yet? I could really use your rescue right now because of what I'm pushing through. So I wonder, what does the prophet mean by being kept in perfect peace? Let's take a look at that. Teach you a little Hebrew this morning. It's a word that you probably have heard before. It's the word shalom. It's a word that brings about an understanding that things are whole, that there's a completeness, that there's actually maybe the idea of saying that there's a fullness of peace. And to be honest, it's a greeting that many Jewish people use with each other. It's a way to extend a courtesy to each other and to encourage each other. The idea of offering the peace of God to, to others and to ourselves and to our circumstances is really uh, an encouragement. Now, what's interesting in the original Hebrew text, as Isaiah wrote, this is where our English words break down sometimes, it really means uh, be kept in shalom, shalom. Now, anytime you see the same word repeated twice, it means it's a lot. It's maybe even a double portion. And so the beautiful thing here is that uh, God wants to give you your portion of peace, which is a perfect peace. It's more. It's, it's more abundance than you can possibly imagine. Now, need to say this at the outset, uh, the idea that peace doesn't mean that you're not going to have trouble. Peace doesn't mean that you aren't going to have problems. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to break. 
It doesn't mean that your kids aren't going to fight. It doesn't mean that you aren't going to have some things disconnect in other relationships. It's just part of life. Those things are going to happen. And what I want to say clearly here is uh, two ideas this morning. First is that this idea of peace, it isn't found in the absence of problems. Rather, true peace is found in the presence of God. And I think if you look back over the last of many months, as we've walked through various messages here, the thread I've tried to weave is to really be clear about our life needs to be connected to our Creator. It's out of the intimacy that the overflow of our relationship with Him will have an impact on our own story and on the story of those around us that will impact the kingdom to invite others into what God is offering. And to be truthful, the idea is simply this, is that peace is God's presence, that peace is God's perspective, and most basically, peace is God's assurance. The idea that he's there in the midst of the problems. He's there when our relationships are upside down. He's there when there's things that our children do that maybe cause pain or we find a difficulty in relationship with other people that maybe we feel betrayed or our body hurts or the things we've had to deal with from the pandemic or even the idea here recently of how much uh, things have gone up financially, the impact, you know, how are you going to pay your bills? So where I want to go next is to, to remind us that this idea of what peace can be, it begins, the battle for it begins in our minds. Can I ask you, uh, have you ever had a war in your mind over what needs to be done? And yet you have folks that may tell you, well, you just need to believe that God's going to be there for you. And that's easy to say, but the truth is for many of us, sometimes it can be hard. Again, it's interesting. This is where our English words break down at times. So in one version of this verse from Isaiah 26 says in the New Living Translation, you will keep in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, the NIV version of that same verse says you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. It's a little bit of a play, but I, I think those are words to encourage us. To be clear, we need to see what Isaiah doesn't say. He doesn't say the perfect peace is for the all whose minds are fixed on, uh, you pick your news channel, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you know, whoever it might be. He doesn't say that perfect peace, all whose minds are fixed on our future, right? I mean, that's not it either. On financial problems, nope. Uh, or on the news that we might get from the doctor. Now, it's interesting, this word, again, a little Hebrew for you here, the word fixed is the word samak. And what that word says is this, to lean on completely, to fully rest oneself. So when you look at this verse again, you will be kept in perfect peace when your mind is leaning on God. You will be kept in perfect peace when your thoughts are resting on God's unfailing promises. Again, here's the question, a little bit of meddling this week maybe. What's your mind fixed on? Fixed on circumstances? Is it fixed on broken relationships? And maybe even the idea to ask the question, what consumes your mind? What does your mind focus on? Is it on financial worries? Is it on the political division? Is it the realities of just some health issues that have come towards us? 
or is it what's going on? Like maybe in your life what's going wrong or maybe for some it's about what could go wrong, right? Or maybe it's a sense of dread. Maybe it's a sense of just being in a place that you don't like. Or it could be just simply that you've got a friend that's driving you crazy. Again, last week we talked about being a resilient people. We looked at this verse a little bit then, and I'll look at it again. Paul says to us, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And there in verse 9, he says, then the God of peace will be with you. Now, when we think about all the circumstances that we're walking through, we need to be reminded that our God is good. We need to be reminded, as we've just come uh, after celebrating Thanksgiving, of all that we need to be grateful for, because we know that God's promises are true. And in every aspect of life, as we look at his scripture, his written word to us, we know that his word never fails us. And there's these larger promises that come to us. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. And the beautiful thing is, when I'm not sure where I'm going, he's there to be my guide. And to be reminded, too, that it's when I'm weak that he is my strength. And to be reminded also that when I'm hurting, that he is there to be my comforter. And then in Scripture, we're reminded this truth that is so important is that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is our hope. That is what we offer. That is why we celebrate Advent and why we need to invite others into this. Now, I need to say clearly, too, that this is a piece that won't make sense if you don't have Jesus. If Jesus isn't at the center of your life, then this isn't going to work for you. So it invites you to, to think about your relationship with him. And if you've not invited him to be Lord of your life, to do that. Again, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he says this, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, what's beautiful here is Jesus says, my peace I give to you. He's not giving us a simple peace, but he's saying to us, I'm going to give you my peace. What's the context of this promise? Well, it, we need to see it in John chapter 14. This is the night before Jesus goes off to give his life for us. Then in the midst of his suffering, just as before he goes into that, he promises us that we can live a life more fully than we can possibly imagine if we trust him. So I've said it before, but I want to repeat it again here, is that it's not found in the absence of our problems. That peace only comes to us when we lean into the presence of God. Now there's a story we know, right? You've, if you've read scripture, it's the story of the disciples that are on the boat and there's this huge storm that blows up, and the disciples are freaking out. And where is Jesus? Well, the story tells us he's, he's in the boat on the floor sleeping. He's actually taking a nap. Really? <laughs> and the craziness of it? And so I want us to see as we think about this story, and I don't know if you've seen it this way before, but there's actually two storms that are taking place. 
there's one that's happening physically in the, the world around them. They're feeling it with the, the wind and the waves and the rocking of the boat. And then there's a second one that's taking place on the inside. And I want to suggest that it's the ones on the inside that can be the worst. Because that's when the disciples are thinking in their mind, uh, don't you even care about me? Uh, don't you care if we drown? Do you love us? And then what's amazing, when Jesus uh, awakes, he stands and simply says, uh, peace, be still. Now, what we need to see from this story and this understanding is that we can't give what we don't have. And so Jesus, because he is absolute peace and he's perfect peace, he could, he could say to the, to the storm clouds and to the billowing seas, peace, be still. And for us as followers of Jesus, that's why our connection to him is so important. Because you see, it's this simple relationship that you have can have with him that is Jesus who is our peace. In fact, Jesus says he will give you his peace. Now again, as we walk through scripture here, we're reminded he will keep us in perfect peace, those that have their mind fixed on him. And I think for all of us, in so many different ways, maybe we've believed this, but I'm not sure where we've experienced it. And I think for many of us, particularly in this season that we find ourselves, that it's really about training our minds. It's really about becoming better disciples, about leaning into instruction and guidance to grow in our faith walk with Jesus. And where does it start? Well, it, it doesn't start just by doing it occasionally. It's like training for for any kind of athletic event. It's something that you have to do uh, every day, every day, every day. So I want you to see back to the story of the disciples that really where it all comes is that it's in the middle of the storm when we praise God for who he is. And it's in the midst of that when life is upside down and we're trying to figure it out. It's in that moment when we praise God for what's going on, even though we may not understand the details, that that's when the evil one gets all jacked up. That's the kind of praise that makes them flee. Because it's this idea of uh, shalom, shalom, or this idea of perfect peace. Now again, uh, Paul says to us back in the book of Philippians, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, it's the peace of God. It's not what the world gives us. In fact, the world can't give it. The world even can't take it away. That if we're walking with Jesus, it can get messy and dicey and it can get upside down, but it's a peace that will meet us in the moment. And so I want us to be reminded, I said this point earlier, is that peace isn't found in the absence of problems, that peace for us is found in the presence of God. So as we respond on this first Sunday of Advent, let's prepare our hearts for communion.
Good morning, Linda Road. Thank you for joining us this Sunday morning for communion. We are uh, Lynn and Dan Feldman, if you don't know us. And we... This is the joyful feast of the people of God. People will come from east and west, from north and south, to sit at the table of the kingdom of God. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you in the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. For every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of the risen Lord until he comes again. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this day, for this time together to enjoy communion in remembrance of your sacrifice for us. We ask your blessings on this church and on the people and that you would help us to stay upon the path that you have set before us this day and every day. We love, love you and the blessings that you bestow upon us. And these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's the body of Christ given for you. body of Christ given for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. The blood of Christ is shed for you. Please join us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who, who art, art in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy, thy name. Thy, thy kingdom, kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 